0: Over the past few months, a number of our friends have taken the plunge and bought a new pet. And so our social media feeds have been filled with pictures of puppies, of kittens, of rabbits. Now we have a dog, and our dog is almost eight years old. And so about eight years ago, we as a family had a very exciting day when we knew that we, that day, were going to pick up a new puppy. But as you get on the journey home with this little bundle of dog in the car you start to realise that you've taken on a big responsibility because to be a responsible pet owner is not just a one-day activity but it's something that carries on for many many years afterwards. Now just hold that thought for a moment we'll come back to that. Today resurrection day three women Mark tells us Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome are on the way to the tomb where they expect to find Jesus's dead body. The events of the past few days have been incredibly traumatic, beyond traumatic. Just last Sunday in our church, we were celebrating Palm Sunday. We were remembering the shouts of Hosanna, the cries of the crowd saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Within the space of a few days, Jesus has been tried, crucified, he's died, and now he's been buried their hopes that here was the messiah god's chosen one coming to free his people coming to restore the kingdom of israel but they all seem to have evaporated all the teaching that jesus brought the talk of the love of god all the miracles of the past years what was it all about what was it all for In life, sometimes traumatic events descend on us really quite quickly, and we we can find ourselves in those points really clinging to the everyday to give ourselves that feeling that we still have some control over events to create some kind of normality. Sometimes in those moments of trauma, it can actually feel too difficult to ask the big questions. These three women in verse 1, they are doing what is very normal activity when somebody has died. They are going to anoint the body of Jesus with spices. And on the way, they're not having some sort of theological discussion. They're not talking about why Jesus died. They're just talking about something everyday and practical. Who's going to roll the stone away from the tomb? How are they going to get access to the body of Jesus? Now, Mary Magdalene was there, Mark tells us, in chapter 15, when the stone was put in place. She knows exactly what the challenges are before her. All of these women, they were there when Jesus breathed his last. And so they're on the way to the tomb. They come with grief, but they also come with practical concerns. So as they come towards the tomb, they come towards really what is a place symbolic of the the, the sort of the graveside, the place where so many human beings dread. Now, this year of pandemic has amongst many things brought into sharp focus our own fragility, the frailty of our human nature and the value of human life. The tomb, the graveside, if you like, for many people, and, and you might actually be one of them today, brings with it that fear that the grave is the full stop, that dead is the end, that being dead is where everything ends. Make the most of what happens beforehand because there is nothing more. Today, in this garden, all that thinking is broken and blown apart because as they get to the tomb, they're not met with a practical problem. No, the stone is gone, but they're met with something that actually blows everything in a different direction. If this was me at this point, though, if I'd have come and seen the stone rolled away, every conceivable possibility would now be going through my head as to what has happened. Firstly, have I gone to the right tomb? Or have I mistaken it? Has Jesus' tomb been robbed? You know, grave robbery was quite common in the first century. Have Jesus' enemies done something terrible to his body? But not in my wildest would I possibly think of what happens next? You know, God is amazing. Sometimes in life we come to prayer with very practical questions. And sometimes God blows those apart with God-ordained answers. But nothing could prepare these women for what comes next. Verse 5. They enter the tomb and a young man, we presume an angel, is sat there telling them as angels often do, don't be alarmed. Don't be fearful. Verse 6 You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. And then these most incredible words He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Remember, Mary Magdalene had already seen this place. She's been in this tomb before. She's seen where Jesus' body had been laid. And now she sees evidence. Of resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus has always been and will always be an event that we can evidence in human history. Paul, the apostle, one of the great leaders of the early church, writes to a church in Greece in the city of Corinth a few decades later, and this is from 1 Corinthians 15 verses 4 to 6. He writes this, he, that is Jesus, was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom were living, though some have fallen asleep. And in those words, it's almost as if Paul is saying to these the sort of skeptical Corinthians, you can check this out, you can still meet people who've encountered the risen Christ. So those words, he is not here, he has risen. If these words are true, which I believe they are, then this changes absolutely everything. If these words describe reality, which, praise God, you know, I believe these words do, then nothing will ever, ever be the same. So what do the woman do? Well, they are told to tell the disciples that Jesus is going ahead of them into Galilee. So in verse 8, trembling, bewildered, they leave the tomb not saying anything to anybody because they were afraid. Now, if we read in the other Gospels, we can find out that actually what the the angel says here will happen actually does happen, that Jesus goes ahead and that they encounter him in many different ways before his ascension. But where does this account leave us today? Back to the new pet for a moment. When our dog came home, nearly some eight years ago now. It led to a lot of changes in our life. Our life every day since then has had a slightly different... Our dog's called Rosie, but Rosie and that narrative to it. In those early days, there was puppy training. I'm not sure how successful that was, but ever since then, there's been the daily dog walk. There's time spent with the dog. There's feeding the dog. There's a financial cost. There's trips to the vet. All that started with an excitement of one day some eight years ago has been a commitment to a journey that continues. You see, what starts on Easter Day is just the start of an amazing journey of faith with the risen Christ. It is not the end. It is only the beginning. So I want to encourage us to think about two things this morning from what happened on this first Easter Day. And the first thing is this, that we are encouraged to be people of hope. Because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, we too can look forward to living in certain hope and living with Christ for eternity. Revelation one verse eighteen. Jesus says, I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I am alive for ever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Sarah reminded us earlier on that as Jesus rises from the tomb, that there is victory over sin. All that was clinging on to us, all that rubbish stuff in our life, has gone. Jesus took it all as he died. And we now can enter into our Heavenly Father's presence. We can have life forever and ever. Today, if we choose to make that step on that journey with Jesus, that becomes ours, that reality becomes ours. I so want to simply ask you, do you know that new life today in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have that hope? Can I encourage you to explore those claims of Jesus and to find that hope in him? Second challenge, a second encouragement is to be people of transformation. When something big happens in our life, change must follow on, it quickly has to follow on. For the disciples who are about to encounter the risen Christ, nothing would ever be the same again. Life changed forever. They would and did give their absolute everything to see that this message of phenomenal hope, amazing hope, resurrection hope, would be shared across the world. This resurrection day, if we have found that hope in the risen Christ, it's simply not enough to keep it to ourselves. It's not a one-day activity. Just like the women were commissioned to share straight away the good news with the disciples, so we are commissioned to share the resurrected Christ across the globe. Resurrection brings change. Discipleship is costly. Jesus calls us to be like him. We are given the gift of the Spirit. We are people commissioned to be fruitful in his name, to become holy, to become changed people, freed from sin and death, to share the life of the new creation. And we take a message to a world that is tired, a world that is broken, a world that is desperate for change. Here, in a garden some 2,000 years ago, the answers that this world needs are found because of an empty tomb. The resurrection compels us to live hopeful but grace-changed lives. The resurrection compels us to believe and follow Jesus' example, his teaching, his ministry. And the resurrection compels us to share this hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, we are just amazed by the hope that we can have because you rose from the dead. And I want to pray that today, wherever we are, whatever our own personal story is, whatever challenges we have faced in the last year, whatever this next year holds, that this message of resurrection, this message of incredible good news, might change and transform us. Lord, I pray that we will be people of hope, people of joy, people of infectious love, people who just go out with this message and share it with our friends and neighbours, that you have risen from the dead. Amen.